0: This episode may contain content of a graphic nature. Listener discretion is
1: advised. Thanks for joining us today on another episode of Body to Burial. I'm Mariah. And I'm Nikki. We're just two regular true crime junkies who decided it was time to see crime from a new perspective. This is Body to Burial. Hey, what have you been up to? I have been binging the new Dexter. I just finished it. It's so good. I just want more and more and more and more.
0: I loved the, obviously the original. I was a little hesitant on the new one, but then I wanted to wait till they all came out and then I could just binge because I can't do week to week.
1: Don't worry anybody. We're not going to give any spoilers out. So don't worry if you're listening. We're not going to ruin it for you. I zoomed through those. So I can't wait for you to completely finish it so we can talk about it, but it's very, very good.
0: It's given me uh, inspiration for our new guests today.
1: Do you have Michael C. Hall? <laughs> no, no, I don't. But I
0: have um, Jamie Dozer, bloodstained pattern analyst. So he is Dexter in his own way. I mean, I don't think he is the serial killer type, but sure, naturally, I think it's interesting. And I wonder if he's ever watched Dexter.
1: I wonder if he gets annoyed, like. It's got to yeah. be one or the other. Like you got to like love that, like Dexter brought maybe like attention to your like occupation or you absolutely hate it. Right. I don't feel like there's like a middle ground.
0: All right. Well, let me go get them on and then we'll see what's going on. Okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Hello. Hi, Jamie. Yeah. Hey, it's Mariah Hamilton.
2: Hello. How are you?
1: Hey, I'm great. How are you?
2: I'm getting
1: there. Awesome. Jamie, this is Nikki. Nikki, this is
2: Jamie.
1: Hello. Great. Well, Nikki, do you want to kind of jump in and yeah. get going? Yeah. Well, we are excited to have you, Jamie. Thank yeah, you so thank much. Yeah,
2: thank you. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Anytime I get a chance to talk about this stuff, I, I'll, I'll jump on it.
1: I'm
0: excited to learn about it.
2: Well, I don't know if uh, I'm going to be able to teach you anything, but we'll find out.
0: You'll <laughs> <He'll> teach <laughs> us more than we know. Okay. <laughs> so you're a bloodstain pattern analyst. Is that correct?
2: That is correct. Yes.
0: How did you end up into this profession?
2: It's kind of a long and winding road, but after high school, I went and got my degree, and it was originally in biology and education, and so I taught high school for about five and a half years and decided I can't be cooped up in one room for the rest of my life. Went into police work and I got uh, certified as a police officer, worked there for several years and then eventually promoted to detective. And while I was in detective, you have to have yearly training. And I saw training come out for the initial beginner class of bloodstain pattern analysts. So I put in for it. I thought, yeah, that'd be interesting. That fits my biology background, kind of what I like to do and took some classes after Many many years of hard work. uh, I finally became certified after about three years, and I've been doing it since 2019.
0: Nice, that's awesome. Obviously, is you you liked science and all that stuff growing up, and then is that like something that's part of what this is now?
2: Yeah, it it involves a lot of the aspects of the sciences, the investigative work as well as the scientific work. I kind of get to put them both together and put that puzzle together as you're looking at all these stains that are out there.
1: Jamie, I'm sure you either hate this or love this obviously like the show Dexter has put a lot of like spotlight on your guys's occupation for me personally like that's the only information I have about what somebody in your position does how does that compare to what you actually do
2: what Dexter's done is they took the principles of what we do and then they and just this is just like everything else in Hollywood then they sensationalized it and they made it to where it's we could create this movie like scene out of what we see from just the bloodstains and it's not quite like that. It's more like snapshots. You can you can make some pictures of okay, this particular thing happened in this event, but it's not going to give us a movie of every tiny little thing that happened in what order. If I'm able to go to the scene, I, I go to the scene and look at it because you can, photographs only show so much. And whenever you see something in the scene, you can make sure that it gets photographed correctly so it can be used later on as evidence, obviously. So if I have the ability, I'd rather go to the scene, but sometimes that's just not possible. Sometimes you're looking in an older case. Sometimes you come in afterwards. Sometimes you're not available because you know the scene is 300 miles away or whatever it is so i have to rely on photographs my ability to analyze a scene through photographs is solely dependent upon who took the photographs and how well they're done sometimes i can tell a lot from a scene and other times they send me a file of like six pictures and say okay tell me what happened and i can't tell anything
0: okay when you see a scene or a picture or whatever, can you tell if it's one person's blood or two people or is that part of what you do too?
2: Yeah. So what we do is we'll, we'll go into a scene and you look at the scene as a whole. The next step is you got to identify individual patterns. And so here's an impact pattern over here. This is a projected pattern. You know, you have to mark those down. Of uh, These are the individual patterns that are of interest because it's kind of a big jumbled mess a lot of times. So you have to go back and identify specific things later on. But once you identify that, then usually we take samples, DNA samples to be sent off to the lab to see whose blood that is. Because if I just see a projected pattern without the DNA, we don't necessarily know whether it's the victim. We'll take the the DNA and connect that up. And that's just another one of the pieces that we use to solidify the analysis.
1: How many possible because you keep saying like you look at the pattern options or the patterns. So how many possible pattern options are there when you're canvassing a scene?
2: That's a good question. I've never counted them up. There's, there's two <laughs> different types of, of patterns. They kind of break them down into classes like you'd see when in biology class, when you're looking at the dichotomous key and depending, okay, is this an elephant or is this a dog kind of thing? But we look at yeah. characteristics and there's active patterns which are going to be produced through some type of force. And then there's passive patterns. And when you think of passive patterns, it's more like if you see blood drips on the ground, that that would be a passive pattern. Or if it was uh, a big pool of blood, that's a passive pattern. But when you see like the little circles and ellipses on the side of a wall and they kind of go in this radiating pattern, that would be an impact pattern. Let me see. I'm going to run through my head and see if I can figure out how many different types (laughs) of patterns there are. I mean, we're probably talking just the patterns themselves, probably 15 or so. Then there's a bunch of other characteristics within those that you can kind of break things down in.
1: Are you also in charge of figuring out what type of weapon was used?
2: There are certain patterns that you know can be caused by certain weapons. But a lot of it is you have to kind of have some context within the scene and you have to have some context to the case. Like, for example, if if somebody uh, has a, uh, you know, a large injury to their throat. You can look at the, the wound itself and kind of say, okay, well, this is going to be a sharp object to, and you would, you know, sharp force trauma is what they would call it, something like that. But so, you know, you're looking for probably things like a knife or a box cutter. Gunshot wounds, you kind of know, okay, this is going to be a gun, but being able to say this was a 38 caliber versus a 9 millimeter, we have to know the context within the scene. The blood itself is not going to tell us that.
0: Are you trying to figure out like too, like if it's a homicide or a suicide, self-inflicted or not? And is that part of what you do, too?
2: Yeah. It, so that yeah, that's part of the whole the whole package there. In fact, a lot of times what I end up doing on with my department is somebody calls in and says, oh, they just killed themselves and it's questioned. So they they'll bring me in to look at the patterns. And if, if I say, yeah, that's consistent with suicide or dig into this more and dig into the people that called in and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot of just confirming what the situation is or what we're told is happening
0: yeah because you could probably tell if it's self-inflicted or if someone say standing behind them or making them hold up something at a different angle i would i mean i'm just talking from movies i've seen but you
1: know <laughs>
2: yeah. that's and it, what it I is would, that yeah okay what's possible, what's not possible within the scene. You know, if somebody says, well, I got the blood on me because I picked them up, but it's nothing but what we would call spatter patterns or something like that on their shirt. Well, you're not going to get that from picking up somebody who's already deceased. So
0: yeah, that makes sense when you're saying like the different patterns. Cause yeah, if you're picking someone up, it would be like a smear, I would assume or something and not just like a spray.
2: Exactly.
1: Do you also try to like recreate the patterns? cuz like again on Dexter he like goes into his little <laughs> lab and like tries to recreate the same type of splatter is that part of the job in real life as well
2: at times yes there there are times where you have to kind of go okay i'm not sure exactly how this is going to happen and you go through that scientific process of okay what can make this pattern and then you test that hypothesis with different scenarios you don't have to do that with every scene there there's sometimes you look at the scene and you go okay i pretty much know how this one happened.
1: Is there something in your opinion that you think criminals always kind of like get caught up with, or it's like one obvious thing that they're always like doing that you're like, come on, you like shouldn't do that.
2: (laughs) I don't want to give away all our secrets, you know?
1: Yeah. Don't, don't (laughs) spill it.
2: What you find in a lot of these things. and, And when people think like murder or homicides, things like that, In the movies, they're always planned out methodically and they cover every aspect and stuff like that. But generally speaking, in real life, these are most of the time, these are things that happen spur of the moment. When you're in the spur of the moment, you can't consider all the aspects and there's a principle called Locard's principle, which is basically that if you're in some place, you're going to leave a piece of you there and you're going to take a piece of the scene with you. And so there's always the evidence. It's just a matter of it's our job to find what that evidence is and what was left of the scene by the by the suspect and what was taken from the suspect. Was that a very uh, political way to answer?
1: No, I yes. like it. <laughs> no, I loved it. I actually was writing down what you said because I was like oh that's such a great quote um so <laughs>
0: perfect can you do you have cold cases that you do this way by looking at just I mean obviously you're only going to have pictures
2: yeah you can do that I, ha- I haven't done anything that was a a cold case per se I've gotten some that were a couple of weeks old and that kind of stuff but nothing that we're talking about like from the 1980s or anything like that you know some of the more people that have been into this more often have done that yeah
0: does every department have or is it like one in a county?
2: It's a, a specialty. So not everybody has the resources to put somebody through this. If something happens in, say, a neighboring jurisdiction or something like that, I will I will go help out if they request.
0: And then how does, uh, like, the science part come in is that part is that the dna part the science part
2: this is actually kind of funny cuz you you hear a lot of how this is not actually a scientific process but it actually is there's a lot of scientific aspects of it i mean you have to not only just the biology of dna or biochemistry knowing the characteristics of blood and you know clotting factors and things like that but there's also physics because we have to know what a blood drop is going to do in flight and how that is going to affect the actual outcome that we see and so there's been a lot of scientific experimentation on, okay, what's going to cause this type of pattern, say say uh, an impact pattern. So an impact pattern is just going to be blood stain pattern resulting from an object striking liquid blood. So that could be a blood pooled on an injury, or that could be blood, you know, somebody stomping on the ground in a pool of blood. And you know how it kind of radiates out with a bunch of little droplets. They've done all those experiments in the past, uh, is, you know, starting back in 1895 they were doing experiments oh, wow. on this yeah so it's it's over 100 years old that they've been working on this and there's a whole plethora of scientific That's things wild. Uh, yeah it's just like every science though we don't know everything and so we continue to work on it and it goes through a peer process where you do your experimentation you write it up and then you turn it into other people that are knowledgeable in the field and then they basically try and rip your paper apart and if they can reproduce it exactly like you did then it'll go through that pure process and it'll get published and then it's a you know just the same scientific process that all other stuff is. You said
0: 1895 is that when like the first kind of blood splatter thing started?
2: Yeah I think that was the first publication of experimentation it was uh was it in 18, 1895 1899 somewhere around in there.
0: Wow that's pretty cool. I love history. So anything like that, I think is fascinating back then when you think like there was no resources or things, to you know.
2: Well, they did things and- differently then because they used uh, live animals when they were testing it. But no. Yeah. <laughs> oh
1: Does temperature or weather affect the patterns at all?
2: If it's an outdoor scene and rain, it's going to wash the blood away. Then obviously I'll, I'll lose all my ability to look at the characteristics of the blood and determine what happened. When you talk about temperature, that'll affect drying time. So the higher the temperature, the faster the blood's going to dry.
1: And does that make it more challenging for you when the blood is dry?
2: Only if you're trying to determine is this a fresh scene or if this is an older scene. Even then, it's kind of variable. I, I tend not to... I'm not going to say this, was, this happened 47 minutes ago or anything like that because that's just too... Mm-hmm too much, but there's a lot of factors that go into that. I know that when you think about things like heat, if it's a hot summer day someplace, that can affect the the outcome of, of DNA to an extent. As far as the pattern, that'll just dry it into place and it'll lock it in for me so the pattern doesn't get altered.
1: What happens if it's like on carpet?
2: Oh, that's awful. So when you have carpet, it it's uh, it basically eats up all the characteristics that we try and look at, and so it's really difficult to to figure out what happened if it's something other than like a saturation stain, meaning that the blood just soaked into something. When you talk about like other fabrics, say textiles like shirts and things like that, you can get some information from that, but even that is going to eat it up, eat up those characteristics. You're not going to be able to tell nearly as well what things you're looking at than you would if you were on like a smooth hard surface like a a wall or a table or something
0: where's the blood stain pattern going into the investigation part
2: it's a whole part of the crime scene reconstruction it's uh it goes into it'll go into some things if you can tell how how they died a lot of times you're going to need to know the autopsy report to figure out wound analysis so what wounds do they have does that fit with what you're seeing on the patterns as an example of that there there's a, a pattern called a expiration pattern which is blood that's going to be mixed with air and there are characteristics where you see little air bubbles inside the blood there's only one way that can happen so if you don't have damage through the airway or you don't have blood in your nose or something like that and you see air bubbles then it's going to be against what it seems like it is so you have to kind of re readjust what you're looking at and what you think it is but as far as I can recreate certain things if I have a good scene and a good pattern uh, analysis and then that'll go into how they died That'll go into when they died. That can tell you if this person is a possible suspect or not, if they have certain types of you know blood patterns on their on their body, on their hands, whatever it is. So, yeah, it's an aspect of the whole crime scene reconstruction.
1: When there is like spray, maybe do the droplets of blood, do they vary in size? Obviously by somebody's height, but do they vary in size by somebody's age? Like, could you tell like a child versus an
2: adult? No, usually the size of the droplet that you see on the back end, so after it's already been deposited, is going to be more of a factor of the force that was used to cause that. The more force, the smaller the blood droplet, generally speaking. Gunshot wounds are going to have what we call like a mist pattern. It's a bunch of tiny circular or elliptical drops that are less than Point one millimeters in size. When you think about blood just dripping off a hand, well, it's going to be much bigger than a mist pattern.
1: So the harder the force, the smaller the droplet. Yes. Okay. Could you explain the science behind that? Because in my head, I would think it would be the
2: opposite. I can definitely do that. Blood is kind of like water. So, you know, when you think of water, if, if you, have you ever taken water and watched it drip off the tip of your fingers? Yeah. When you do that, blood has some adhesive and cohesive forces. So it wants to stick to itself and to the surface that it's on. So ultimately, it would like to stay where it's at. But if a force is applied to it, whether that's gravity, or whether that's a force of somebody like taking a bat and hitting somebody, that force can overcome the ability of the blood to stick together or stick to its surface. Once it's in flight, it'll form the most stable ball that it can. And it turns into an undulating sphere as it flies through the air. So The more force that's applied to it, the less ability that blood has to stick to itself. So it has to form smaller spheres. The less force, the more ability the blood has to stick to itself because there's less forces acting on each individual molecule.
1: That's crazy. I never would have thought that. I feel like I'm watching like Bill Nye the Science Guy.
0: I know nothing science and I totally understood everything that you just said.
2: Well, good, because that's how I explain it to juries. And sometimes they still look at me like cross-eyed and I'm like, oh, man.
1: (laughs) Okay, so then I guess my next question would be when they're like measuring the blood drops, what are you learning from those measurements?
2: So there's a few things that we can take from, from the blood. Like let's say it's on a vertical wall. So we're looking at the wall of a house or something like that. I'm looking to see, are they spherical? So are, do they look completely round or do they look more like, you know, a teardrop or something like that? The teardrop is going to tell me and, and give me the ability to take some measurements and I can figure out what's called the area of origin. So you measure the width and the and the length. If you have enough measurable stains, you can calculate an area of origin of where that blood actually came from. I can't say it's exactly at two feet out from the wall and, you know, 3.2 feet up from the wall, but it'll give me an area of, okay, it's over here, you know, reasonably within this point of origin.
0: How much blood for someone to bleed out?
2: It's everybody's a little bit different. Like if you lose a certain percentage of your blood, you're going to, to not be able to come back. Unless that gets replenished from a transfusion or something like that, but if you got obviously smaller people are going to have less blood than somebody who's extremely large because they have to they have a lot more vasculature, so they has to fill up the vessels.
1: I just did a quick Google, so I don't know how accurate this is, but it says that there's approximately one and a half gallons of blood in a body, or like averagely ten percent of a person's
2: weight.
0: Yeah, because every time you say a pool, I'm thinking like a bucket.
2: Yeah, and, and and sometimes it is, sometimes it's quite extensive, and other times it looks like it's not a lot, not a lot of blood, and it ends up actually being quite a bit. Like it, when we go back to talking about carpets, it can be one particular point, a six by six inch square where all the blood is being dripped into the or deposited into the carpet, but that carpet will soak the fibers the blood into the fibers, and then it'll spread out. And a lot of times it'll go into the underlayment and you don't see the blood that's all underneath it, but it's spread out to a pool of, you know, say three or four feet, but you only see that six inch gap because that's where the blood's being brought in.
0: That's interesting. Would you ever have to like go into trials to say, this is what I saw?
2: You go into trials and- You know, depending on who you're working for, there's going to be somebody on the other side that that may have an agreeing opinion with you. They may disagree. But you go in there and this is what I saw. This is why I saw it. And basically trying to explain exactly why a certain incident happened a certain way.
0: Does evidence I mean, it usually I would assume doesn't lie like it tells its story for itself. So wouldn't it be pretty easy to conclude what it is or is there still gray areas.
2: You know, it it depends on the scene and what's going on. A lot of times when you look at things where it's not black and white is whether was it self-defense, was this not self-defense, that kind of thing, or connecting a suspect to a scene. I'll give you a a very general example of a case that I had where the suspect lived in the same house as, as the victim. The defendant's lawyers were saying that all the DNA connected had nothing to do with him actually committing the crime because they lived in the same house. So their DNA was everywhere. And so the bloodstains mm-hmm. were actually more important than some of the other stuff because the bloodstains that were found on his clothes were specific to him being there during the crime.
0: Yeah. And then uh, you have a um, a training and investigating business you own?
2: I do, yes. Obviously, police work's a big wide range of things there's a lot of different things that happen within the realm of police work we focus mostly on the investigative stuff so interview and interrogation and persons crimes investigations is really where mine and my partner's specialties are domestic violence investigations strangulation investigations um death investigations which is obviously where where this part comes into and then uh we do some other different uh trainings. But yeah, that's what we're, we're trying to build that up and get that out there so we can kind of spread what we might know.
0: Yeah. And then, so you go hand in hand for the blood stain pattern with the photographers. Is that who you're working closely with when you investigate stuff?
2: Sometimes if I'm not the lead on the case and they bring me in, I'll work with the lead detective and they'll kind of fill me in on what they know at the time. I'll point out to them what I know. And then I'll work with the photographer if I'm not the one taking the pictures, which if I can help it, I don't want to do that because I'm not very good at taking pictures. Everything seems to turn out blurry. <laughs>
0: yeah, I take horrible pictures. Oh, yeah, it's Even bad. Even when someone has me take a picture, I'm like, I don't think you want me to do it.
2: The, yeah, so and I'll, <laughs> I'll direct them. I need a 90-degree close-up of this one. That's after I'll mark it. I'll put scales on so that way it's, it's all reproducible if need be.
0: And then with that, like, and then you gather all your evidence and that's when you go back to like, is that a lab that you go to or is it just like your office?
2: Nope. When I'm back and I'm just looking at the photographs, I'm usually uh sitting in a t-shirt, you know, with my squinting in a screen.
0: <laughs> no, and then are you having to go to classes continually for this?
2: American Standards Board is is kind of what we go through, uh, the scientific board. They set the regulations on what we're supposed to have. Right now, they recommend a minimum of eight hours every year of continuous training. I try and get more than that just to keep my skills up because obviously people are doing this experimentation, the peer review process and and all that stuff constantly. So new papers are coming out. They'll publish different things where the terminology, this is the new terminology that we're going to be going to because it better describes this specific pattern. For example, smear was a term used in the past. Now we're not recommended to use that term and it turns into a transfer stain. Really? Sometimes old habits die hard, you know?
0: I like smear better.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's
0: funny. And why is that? Is that just because they didn't like the word smear?
2: It's just like everything, you know, whenever you get a bunch of scientists together, they'll argue about what's best. Some people prefer transfer stains, some people prefer smears, and I guess the transfer people won out.
0: (laughs) Well, I would be on the the smear team because I like that one better.
1: (laughs) Do you ever, like, get grossed out or need to leave the room based on when you show up at a scene? Is it hard sometimes to... Walk into that?
2: You kind of compartmentalize it. You, you see the scene as a whole, but you're not really thinking of it as this is a person. And I know that kind of sounds bad, but that's not what you're looking at. You're looking at, okay, how did this happen? And how do I continue to make sure I get it right for the victim? Whether it's a that or I don't accuse somebody who is being accused wrongfully. So you kind of go into like work mode, but the smell, the smell is what gets me.
1: Do you do any of the tricks with like... um vix do you ever put that under your nose
2: i don't but strictly because vix's job is to open up your nasal passages so then after a while you're just you got that bad decomposing smell and (laughs) vix vapor rub smell yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's not a good combo but they have some of the n95 masks and things like that that'll get rid of a lot of them i there's some guys that use you know full-fledged gas masks cuz they can't handle the smell. It does get to you. You just it's something that you have to buck up and deal with.
1: When did you realize that like you were okay with blood? I guess that's a weird way to phrase it, but like you know how some people are just completely squeamish even as like little kids, they can't even see it. Like did it never ever bother you?
2: No, not not really. I'm not a big fan of touching it. So my wife's in the in the medical field and she has a saying that if if it's wet and it's not yours, don't touch it. So <laughs>
1: That's a great rule. Yeah. That is a really good (laughs) rule. That actually spawned another question. Um, How often do you worry about like diseases?
2: It's in the back of your mind. But when you go into a scene like that, you're wearing a mask just because you don't want to contaminate any DNA evidence. So you wear a mask, you wear gloves, you wear booties, you do that kind of stuff. Depending on the scene, sometimes you put on a Tyvek suit, like the white biohazard suits that you see people wearing. You have to take the proper precautions. It crosses your mind, but no different than anybody else exposed to blood.
0: What about COVID stuff? Has that changed any of your protocol stuff or no?
2: Um, no, not not for us per se, unless we know that they, like if they had COVID, but that's not what killed them. It, it may change some things, but wearing the mask, wearing the gloves, it's, it's all the same process. That's kind of protocol as you, you wear all the personal protective equipment.
0: Yeah. So that's just... A standard,
2: yeah, and I get it. Wearing a mask is not fun; it gets hot. But with the DNA technology the way it is, you don't want to contaminate it. That's kind of been standard protocol to wear a mask and gloves for as long as I've been a cop. Is
0: it hard? Is it easy to contaminate the blood if you're not?
2: That's a good question. That's probably better suited for a DNA expert. I know it can contaminate. I know it's standard protocol for us to wear a mask because every time we breathe out, we've got you know saliva that contains our DNA, and you know the last thing. Jamie wants to do is end up listed as the suspect somehow, you know?
0: (laughs) That would be tough. What about like your hair? You wear, do you, I mean, obviously you're not like, you don't have long hair, but is that something that you have to tie back and wear like a hair thing?
2: I've never done it. Unless we think that the hair is going to be a concern, then we might do something different.
0: How many cases do you have, like say in a day? Is it a common thing that you come out?
2: I think it depends on how crazy the world is at that given time. There's times I'll I'll go with, you know, specific to blood stain and months and I don't have to, I don't do a case. But then there's other times where it's, I get two or three in a week. It just kind of depends. So what you'll do is like, it, let's say I get three in a week. I'll work on one and get what I can done because I can't finish my report until I have the DNA analysis back or the autopsy report back so I can confirm wound analysis and things like that as I get new information then I'll go back to that that particular case and work that as far as I can and then just continue on till I'm done when I'm done with the report I send it off for a technical review to another qualified analyst and they have to look over the case and go yeah you're not crazy this is what you see or hey I'm not quite seeing what you're seeing. You might want to explain this and talk to me about it, what's going on. So it's not just me making my decision. I've got to have somebody else that agrees with us.
1: I guess my question is, like, do you feel like this is a job that people are called to? Or do you really feel like this is a job that anybody can do that has an interest in science?
2: Well, I I think that there are certain people that are going to be better suited for the job than others. If you're not detail oriented, this is not the job for you. If you're not organized, this is definitely not not the job for you. If you're squeamish, I would say stay away as well. But as far as like a calling, if you're not into it and you don't find it to be a worthwhile venture, it's probably not a good calling for you. The people that don't find it to be a calling usually don't finish out the whole process and get certified and continue working in it.
1: You work a case, like you said, and then you set it down and you come back to it and you set it down and you come back to it. So how do you balance like having a normal life outside of this becoming your life?
2: I think uh, to answer that question, it would also depend on who you're asking, because if you're asking my wife, I probably don't balance it very well. But it's difficult (laughs) because in the case when you first are working it especially if there's not an arrest made already. Time is of the essence, so you kind of pour yourself into it. It can consume you if you don't get away from it. For me, it depends on the time of year. Sometimes I like to just get out. We'll go into the mountains or something like that, so I can't be on my phone or my computer You know, looking at stuff. Some people like to exercise. Uh, some people just like to scream in a small room, whatever it is. For me, it's, it's as long as I can get away and find something else to occupy my time, it tends to balance me out a little bit better.
1: Uh, yeah, that seems like it'd be very important to do.
2: Yeah, the people that don't do that, they can't sustain in the in this job as a whole just because it'll it'll tear you down.
1: Do you see a lot of turnover in your position? As
2: far as bloodstain pattern analysis, I see a lot of people that start and, and can't finish it because it's too rigorous. The hours put into it is essentially like a college major. A lot of people don't like to present in front of other people. So presenting at a national conference yeah. when you have 200 people staring at you and they're all more experienced than you are, it's it's a little bit daunting. But the turnover as far as law enforcement as a whole or the criminal justice system as a whole, yeah, it's pretty high because it can, it can burn you out
1: do you have a hard time like shaking the visuals that you see from scenes? Like, I feel like every time I close my eyes, I'd be like in a bloody room.
2: In the beginning, that's, that's all you see, but it does, it does wear off after, after time. I, I don't know. I don't know why or how that is. It that time heals all wounds kind of thing, but it doesn't stay with you forever.
1: Mariah, you want to do the silly questions? Let's do it. So we always kind of end with just some like fun, random questions. Um, and the first one, is what song would be the perfect theme song for your job?
2: Oh man, now you're trying to get into my <laughs> no, musical yeah. taste. Oh, pass. No, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't have, <laughs> I don't have any idea what, what would be a musical th- song for, for what I do.
0: Well, you can move on from that and then we'll come back to that if you think of something fun. I like to ask this one is what is one of your hobbies?
2: I'm kind of ADD, so it's not, I can't do one thing all the time, but... Living in the Rocky Mountains where I do, I, I like to get out and camp, hike, fish, that kind of stuff. We have two very large dogs. I have a, an English Mastiff and a Great Dane that we like to get out into the wilderness and let them run around. So I'll take the wife and kids and that and we'll go out to just get away from where nobody can reach me on my phone for a few days.
1: See, that's a great hobby. You got to go off grid for a second. If you could provide your services on any crime that was past or present. Which case would you like to work on?
2: O.J. Simpson.
1: Ooh, good answer. That's a good one. Yeah, you didn't even have to
0: think about that one.
2: You were reading it, and it was already popping in my head.
0: <laughs> I love it. Uh, what popped into my head? I was. I thought you were going to say like Jack the Ripper or something.
2: That'd be a good one too, but. I've seen the photographs they took. I don't know if I could get much out of that one. It'd be cool if the photographs were, you know, like 2022 quality. Yeah, heck, yeah, that'd be a good one.
0: But OJ would be a great one.
2: There's a. have seen a few photographs of the scene where you look at it and you're like, huh, that's interesting. I was, you know, a little young. I didn't watch the whole trial, but you start thinking, I wonder if they brought that part up in the trial. That's something that seems big to me.
1: What profession would you tell dinner guests... That you do if you don't want to spend the whole night talking about your job.
2: I'm the director of business services at a medical clinic.
1: <laughs> that sounds boring.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. I even have I even have business cards that says director of BS. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> when you say stuff like that or an actuary, nobody's like, "Oh, what what does that mean?" Everybody's like, "Oh, okay," and then they move on to something yeah. more important. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what would be Something that you are embarrassed to admit that you hoard.
2: Huh. I, I have a hard time throwing away t-shirts.
1: Okay. Oh, my God. That's exactly what Daryl said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: I, I don't know how many times I've been told, get rid of them. I'm like, no, those are still good. You haven't worn it in three years. Well, I might.
1: That must be a common thing to hoard.
2: Yeah, I, I probably.
1: What's your favorite emoji to text?
2: Oh, I don't, I don't even know how you describe them, but... The little guy that's got the glasses that looks like he's pondering something. Yeah, that guy.
1: (laughs) Awesome. I think we did it, guys. Cool.
2: Awesome. Well, thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, thanks for coming on. This was so fun and very informative. I learned so much. Yeah, thank you.
2: All right. Thank you.
1: So what'd you think? Okay, I was very relieved that when he said he just doesn't really hoard anything, that he didn't say blood slides. I was very relieved that he doesn't have a little collection of those. (laughs) Right? But in all seriousness, I think he was extremely fascinating. Like, what a very cool job. I loved it because of Dexter. And I think I love it even more because of Jamie. Like, this is like a job that I could totally be interested in doing.
0: The science part of it was pretty cool.
1: It's crazy. I feel like when there's people that can explain
0: science in a way that isn't like, what is this? Then you should be like a teacher of science or something.
1: I mean, and how crazy that Jamie was a science teacher. Like it just fits so well, you know? Right. Or maybe it's just like when you
0: get older, you wish you would have listened more in school.
1: But I'm sorry. They're not talking about blood splatter in school. Yeah. Maybe that's the difference. Like they're talking about things like, That I have no basis of using, you know, not that I need to use blood splatter, you know, but, you know, it (laughs) would be a little more interesting. And I'm so glad and comforted that you also were confused because I really thought the harder an object was hit, the bigger the blood would be. So I'm glad that I wasn't the only one that was like,
0: no, that I didn't think it physically could be possible. I thought it was a complete opposite.
1: Right. Because you would just think naturally, like the harder... That it's just going to go and like explode everywhere.
0: Yeah. I thought the same thing. I wish I would have asked him now and like, ugh.
1: Right. Don't you hate when you get the questions afterwards? Yes.
0: Like I hate the blood smell. Yeah. Like that's got to be tough.
1: I mean, he did talk about that a little bit, you know. That was like a body smell more I felt like. What does blood smell like to you? It smells like metal. Yeah. Like coppery. Metallic. But I wonder if in like a large quantity, if that smell would be like gross. Cause like, I'm thinking about like when I've smelled it, like when Scarlet cut open her forehead, kids jumping on couches, equal stitches in their head. Um, mm-hmm. like the smell didn't bother me. It was more the visual. Cause like, I couldn't even look at her. We were at like a girlfriend's house and I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> my girlfriend had to like take over, like taking care of her until Will came because I like, couldn't even look at it. I mean, I could look
0: at it with the towel, but when you see it seeping through the towel, that's tough. Yeah, And then I don't like to see like like when you need stitches and like you can see a little bit of the fatty. Ugh, yes. That's when my stomach starts turning.
1: Ugh. I, I think the visual would be the hardest for me. But blood smell, I don't think would be an issue for me. I think it would 100% be a visual. Anyways, he's amazing. And that was a great <laughs> yeah. mind and so fun. And what a cool job. It was great. I got to bring my A game now because I don't know how to, to beat that. I'm going to have to get Michael C. Hall himself. (laughs) I wonder how much he really knows
0: of like blood splatter.
1: We're going to have to reach out to him.
0: He's all bye. I'm not even responding.
1: Right. It's amazing. I wish he would take on mom interns because I'd so be there. Like a ride along. Right. Just for like a day. Do you you remember Mm -hmm. those when it was like bring your kid to work day? Did you ever do that with your parents? Yeah. (laughs) My dad owned his own business.
0: So I was always going to his work. He had a um, car shop. The thing that was fun is like we would stand on the like, you know, like that thing that lifts up the car. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We would stand on that and my dad would lift it and we're just dangling in the sky. I mean, maybe you can't do that nowadays. It's just maybe not the thing to do. But back then (laughs) it was fun. It's like riding in the back of a truck. When he had a truck, you just rode in the back. And when you turn, it'd be fun to like slide. for dear
1: life. Slide across the back.
0: Wasn't that great? Yeah, it was awesome. So it's kind of the same thing. So that's what I did like about it. Yeah. That wasn't as fun as blood splatter.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Jamie will let us come to work one day. That would be amazing. Mm. I could be a
0: hostage negotiator and you could be a bloodstain pattern analysis.
1: There's still time. We can Mm -mm. start over. All right. All right. Well, next week. All right. I'll see what I can bring you. See you next week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening and supporting us. We do encourage you to follow us at Instagram at Body to Burial. Hit us up on Twitter at Body to Burial. And you guessed it, you can send us an email to hello at Body to Burial If you
0: have any guest suggestions, just let us know. Please hit the subscribe button or follow button on whatever app you are listening to.
1: Thanks so much, guys. See you next time.